I'm Dr. Michael Latola. And I'm Megan Strong. On today's Case of the Week, we'll take a closer look at the partial denture department and some resilient attachments. And the AGD shows us the shocking similarities of the effects of meth use and diet soda. And a North Carolina family goes prodding on the beach, but instead of finding shells, they find a defunct heavy metals band. That and more on today's Cheerside Live! Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of Chairside Live. Megan, you're looking resplendent, a power color, red. You're like yes. Tiger Woods on Sunday. Lady in red. Well, you're I welcome. wasn't going to go that far and okay. sing, but it uh, looks good on you. Sets Thank a nice you. tone for the episode. Thank you. Very good. Well, we've got an interesting episode for you today. We've got uh, a case of the week that happens to, uh, to have taken place in the partial denture department. I was walking through the other day and noticed an attachment system that I've grown particularly fond of, but I know most dentists haven't had a chance to see it yet, so I thought we would take a closer look at a couple of the resilient attachment systems that we're fond of here in the laboratory. In fact, let's go ahead and take a look at that now. I was walking through the partial denture department the other day and uh, I noticed something that um, you may not be familiar with. I certainly wasn't familiar with any of these attachment systems before I started practicing. Um, here at Glidewell, and I want to talk a little about resilient attachments. Resilient attachments being defined by, you know, attachments that have these kind of little plastic inserts in them to help connect a partial denture uh, to a fixed crown or bridge, for example. And so if we look at these resilient ones, we call them resilient because they're, you know, plastic and they can be replaced and they go in and out versus like a precision uh, attachment that's milled where we have it milled into the distal of the crown and then we have a metal uh, male, for example, that's going to fit in that metal female. That metal-on-metal metal contact definitely can wear uh, and will wear over time. In fact, the manager of the department, Jerry, always tells the story that I think about. And He was somehow able to keep his Toyota for 520,000 miles, and he had to replace the keys twice because of the metal-on-metal metal contact of the keys going into the ignition. And so that's always kind of a weak spot, and that's one of the reasons why we prefer resilient uh, attachments, of course, like one of these uh, attachments that will fit in on an ERA. And uh, it's not metal to metal. We've got plastic against metal, and it's easy to replace this part should it become worn or should you want extra retention. So the bottom line is we'll work with any attachment system that you want to. We just have a couple, you know, two that I'm going to highlight today that we know work really well for doctors. For doctors who don't do a lot of these types of cases, and uh, we just want to do whatever we can to ensure your success the first time out so you're not having to redo these a lot. So today we're going to kind of highlight two of them, uh, the ERA attachment. And you're probably familiar with these if you've ever done any kind of attachment uh, on a partial. This is where the female comes off the back of a crown such as this, and then the male is the plastic part that's going to be housed uh, in the partial denture. And we're also going to look at another attachment called a strategy attachment. And this is from another company called Rhine. 83 in New York, Rhein, R-H-E-I-N, 83, the year they were founded. Uh, and this is going to have the male on the crown itself, and it's a rather streamlined, rather small attachment that you can see there. And then the female is actually going to be housed uh, inside of the partial, and uh, I like these attachments. I, nothing against the ERAs. The ERAs work uh, very well. The only issue, if you look at these side by side with the ERAs, you can see you need uh, extra room, which oftentimes is available. 
but a lot of times when it comes time to replace the attachment that's going to fit into here, it comes in the form of uh, kind of the metal casing and the little, um, again, retentive uh, device that goes inside of it. But when it comes time to replace this, you have to cold cure this, the metal housing, inside of the denture. And dentists get worried a lot of times about uh, cold curing when they have to set this on top of this and cold cure it into the denture. And they worry if they're going to lock it in uh, by putting cold cure acrylic around here. If it gets underneath this attachment, they have to block it out to keep it from locking in. But it can also go around onto the mesial of the crown and lock in there or lock in between this crown and another adjacent crown. And so there's a, a lot of worry or concern on the parts of the dentist sometimes with the ERA about using the cold cure to put a new casing into it. And so that's one of the differences that we see with the strategy is that because the male is on the crown itself, the female actually fits into uh, the partial. So when we snap down this framework onto the strategy, the male will fit into here. And over on this side, I actually took out the attachment. So you can see the metal housing and what that looks like. And as you can probably imagine, it's pretty easy to be able to put a new one of these uh, into this housing over here. You can just use a barred parker and cut that out. I would not recommend using a burr. It's really easy to kind of bung up the inside of that uh, with the burr. Uh, there's a, a placement tool that fits right into there to put a new one in here. And you can kind of see uh, that it's indexed. You can see that line about halfway around there and see that it's indexed. So when you snap one of these in, it fits right into place in the metal. And so we don't have to use uh, cold cure acrylic and we're never worried um, about getting one of these to fit in there again because of the metal housing. If we uh, flip this over, you can see where that metal housing is going to be on the outside of that. And so that kind of takes up a, a little extra space there, kind of like the attachment does on the ERA. You're gonna need some space somewhere to use uh, these attachments. And by the way, when you look at this and you see all of this hanging off of the back of here, you might think to yourself, wow, that looks like a lot of force. That's quite a lever arm on the distal of that crown. What's that gonna do to the periodontal status of the tooth versus this? Look how small and streamlined that is on the tooth. But keep in mind, because these are resilient attachments and we, we've got the you know silicone, the vinyl attachment that's in here, because it's resilient and not metal to metal, we've got some play in this system and it's really not gonna crank it. We have not seen more teeth be lost for periodontal reasons to these ERA attachments versus the strategy attachments. So you don't have to worry too much about that, but it's definitely easier to replace um, one of these inserts on the strategy because there's no cold cure acrylic. You're just fitting uh, this little uh, resilient attachment into the metal housing that's been made. And you've got a couple of different ones. You'll notice that um, this one that's in there now happens to be the pink. That's the soft retention. It also comes in a white, which is the standard retention, and a yellow, which is the extra soft retention, just based on how hard uh, the patient wants to work to have to take, to have to take this out. And so it just it snaps into place right onto uh, right onto these restorations, and uh, you can kind of hear it click into place as it goes in there, as it fits in there, and so it snaps on well, and I do like the idea of having the male on the crown and the female inside of that metal housing, and if you look at the refractory model um, once we decide to make this, you know, when it comes to a pickup impression, by the way, uh, easily the most common uh, thing that we see happen with the dentist is that they will try these crowns, and let's say you've gotten these back from the laboratory at this point, 
and you try the crowns in and you check the margins and everything fits and it comes time now to take this impression, um, really the right way to do it, and it's this appointment where things kind of seem to go pear-shaped, uh, at least on the, on the dental end of it, is you want to take these two crowns and put them in with temporary cement. If you want to cut it with a little Vaseline, that's fine too, because we want you to take these off in just a minute, but we want it on with a little more than some ortho wax on the inside. So maybe some temp on with a little Vaseline, and you put these crowns down into place and you clean up the temporary cement, and, uh, and once they're in place like that with this loose kind of weak temporary cement, you can go straight to the impression and take the impression. When you pull it out, the vinyl should lock in here, and we're going to pick up these two crowns that had a little you know, Vaseline in the temporary cement, and it's going to get sent to the laboratory that way. That's going to make it very easy for us to get a partial back to you that fits well. Some doctors will permanently cement these crowns in place and then take an impression over it, uh, that's going to be really difficult for us to uh, make something that's going to fit for you without a ton of adjustments on your part. And part of the reason is we would absolutely need an absolutely accurate full arch impression here, not only of all the teeth, but of the attachments too. There are analogs that we can set in place over here that'll help that impression work. In fact, the ERA ones are actually very nice and work well, but really the best way to do it is do not cement these crowns permanently at this appointment. Put them in with a little temporary cement. Maybe it's got some Vaseline in there as well and pick these up in the impression and send those to the lab. And then that's really gonna work well when we get to this refractory model. And here's one that's been half waxed. In fact, that's this one that we were just looking at uh, actually at its half waxed portion right here. We just did half of it and not the other half. And you can see how accurate uh, and how nice this fits. This is done on a highly uh, accurate model. And you can see the crowns are now back in place. And we've got the housing uh, in place here where we're going to hook on to those strategy uh, attachments. And so um, the wax up, you know, this is duplicated with uh, a silicone, like a polyvinyl material, not a hydrocolloid material, which isn't as accurate. And we've got the fine grain refractory stone and investment material being used. So if we get the crowns back, we're going to do everything that we can do on the lab end to make it as accurate as possible as we wax over these and send it back. So that hopefully when you try it back into the mouth, everything snaps into place. So the key takeaway is do not cement these crowns in permanently and take an impression and, and send it back. That's going to be really difficult. Uh, for us to make that correctly. It can be done, but again, we're just looking at things. We're looking at strategies and tips we can give you so that this is going to fit uh, the first time you go uh, to the mouth with it. So um, making sure that you pick up these crowns and send them back to the lab in your master impression is going to go a long way to making that fit. And I wanted to introduce you as well to the strategy attachment if you have not seen this one yet because it's definitely one of my favorite attachments. You know, there's so many out there, um, and most of them probably you've never even seen before. It's just the labs that are involved with them. But between the strategy and the ERA, we've had a lot of success with doctors who maybe only do two or three of these cases a year and aren't extremely familiar with these. Again, we can work with uh, any system that you, any attachment system you want to work with, uh, but you're going to find that we tend to recommend these two just because we find less remakes and higher uh, patient and doctor satisfaction with the ERA attachments and the strategy attachments as well. Thank you for that, Dr. D. Now let's go to a segment we call Viewer Mail. This week's Viewer Mail comes to us from Dr. Larry Kohler from Chicago, Illinois, and he writes, Dear Dr. Detola. First of all, I want to thank you for helping me with anterior crown preps. 
I, too, find that as soon as I begin preparing, I lose my frame of reference. I tried various depth measurement methods, but your reverse preparation technique really works well for me. Thank you for transforming my technique and for my newly gained confidence in accurately doing anterior crown preps in a timely manner. So I have a question for you. From the brief view that I got of your dental chair on your video, it looks like you have an ADEC unit with a Cavo electric handpiece. I have the same ADEC unit with the W and H electric handpieces. Any idea how that differs from the Cavo electric handpiece that you use? Uh, good question, Larry. And actually, the short answer is no. I don't know what the difference is because I've only used cable hand pieces for probably the last 15 years. And I don't know that there's a huge difference in electric hand pieces when it comes to the different brands. Uh, my recommendation and my passion is just to try to get dentists to consider using an electric hand piece for uh, a couple of reasons. And uh, as you found out with that prep technique, one of the very nice parts of an electric handpiece is being able to turn the speed way down. I'm talking one or 2,000 RPMs at the most, where the burr's not spinning very quickly at all, but it's still got an unbelievable amount of torque. And at those very low speeds, we're able to turn the water off and actually see what we're doing as we prepare the tooth. You know, for the longest time, I, I took for granted that my vision while prepping a tooth would never get any better than it was when I had the water on until I got an electric handpiece and was able to turn the speed way down and prep uh, that last minute and a half without the water on where you can actually see uh, what you're doing. And it is absolutely night and day when it comes to going down to that margin and smoothing it off. Again, I didn't even realize that I had a problem with little chips at the margin until I started taking digital impressions. And when we started taking digital impressions and blowing them up, now I could see that the coarse diamonds that I was using was leaving these big chips, you know, relatively big chips out of the margin. But when we went to design a restoration, say an Emacs crown digitally, the technician wanted to know, are, are they supposed to go straight across or follow these chips out of the margin? And I thought, you know what, I need to smooth that off so they're not asking that question. So the ability to take an electric handpiece, turn the speed way down, turn the water off and put a fine grit burr in, and know that I'm not going to generate too much heat and cook the pulp is a big deal. And now when we take a digital impression and blow it up, the margin's nice and smooth and the technician doesn't have any questions about that. The second thing that I love about electric hand pieces is when it comes to not only adjusting the occlusion, but more importantly, polishing restorations when we're done, whether it's a solid zirconia crown or whether it's a lithium disilicate crown like Emacs, after we go in and make adjustments to the contacts or the occlusions, it's very important that we can go in and smooth that off well. And in the laboratory, the way we do that is with electric hand pieces. Even if a dentist has tried in, let's say, an anterior bridge, made some adjustments and sends it back to the lab for us to reglaze it, we technically do not reglaze it, especially once it's been in the mouth. We won't take the chance of running it back up in the oven again. We're just going to take an electric hand piece with all that torque and go in and polish it until it's smooth and has that wet glazed look again. I want to be able to replicate that intraorally when I'm adjusting the occlusion on a restoration that's already been cemented. And the only way I can do that is with an electric handpiece and with all that torque. I look back on my regular um, slow handpiece that I was using for many years to go in and polish the uh, surfaces of PFM restorations. And I know pretty clearly that I was not getting them nearly as smooth as I should have been getting them. The good news is because of the small particle size of materials like Bruxer and Emacs, we can probably not have to polish quite as much as we would with feldspathic porcelain and not have to worry about the wear of the opposing materials. 
but it's still a great feeling to be able to go in there and get that high shine intraorally after cementing a restoration. And the only way I find I can do that is with an electric hand piece. So that's a great uh, letter of the week. Yes. Thanks to Dr. Kohler. And what does he receive for being this week's letter of the week? Well, what would a letter of the week be without the signed picture of you and I? It'd be a letter of the week. Hold your, Wouldn't it? Hold your breath. I'm going to sign it right now. simple subtraction. All right. So thank you, Larry. Appreciate the letter. Any news this week? Yes. The results of a study on diet soda are out, and let's just say it's not pretty. A study published in General Dentistry reveals that drinking large amounts of diet soda could be as damaging to teeth as methamphetamine and crack cocaine. The study compared three individuals' teeth, a meth user, a previous longtime user of cocaine, and an individual who drank two liters of diet soda daily for three to five years. Researchers found the same type and severity of damage from tooth erosion in all three mouths. The individuals said they had poor oral hygiene and did not visit a dentist on a regular basis. All three came from similar socioeconomic backgrounds and lived in urban areas with fluoridated public water. Study authors say the high acid levels in their drug of choice, whether it be meth, crack, or soda, is responsible for the severe tooth erosion. I like that. Wow. Drug of choice. Drug of diet choice, soda. right? Good luck showing up in rehab and throwing <laughs> that one out. You are going to get beat up out in the yard uh -huh. uh, pretty quickly if you go in there. I was shocked when you sent me these images that the right. AGD published because that really is not a huge difference uh, between that. And I drink some Diet Coke. Yes. And so part of me wants to go, wow, I'm not ever drinking that again. And part of me wants to go, wow, if I'm drinking Diet Coke to wake up a little in the afternoon, I should just be doing meth because <laughs> it's the, the same darn it's difference quicker. when it comes to your teeth. But Maybe more expensive. Uh, in, all, in all seriousness, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. And um, the dentists who I know who have dealt with this the most mm -hmm. um, have been out in um, uh, Arizona, areas where it's really hot, and they'll see right. construction workers who are outside working for seven, eight hours a day, mm -hmm. and they'll just have a have the big gulp. diet Mountain Dew or right. the two-liter ones, and they're just constantly soaking their teeth mm -hmm. e either in a sugar solution or in an acidic diet right. soda solution. And yeah, there's no water passing through those lips. It's mainly just these drinks. And it, it's really scary to see that. So I'm glad that the AGD took the time uh, to put that out there and let people know what it's doing. When I was growing up, it was always about, hey man, take a penny and put it in some Taco Bell taco sauce and right. see what it looks like the next day. And then I would hear that about Coke as well. It'd be interesting to see that done with Diet Coke and see right. what it can do. Anything else? Yes. While many Americans were enjoying a nice barbecue on Memorial Day, the Kirk family spent their time finding fossils of prehistoric creatures. The young daughter was hunting for seashells at Curie Beach in North Carolina when she found what is believed to be a megalodon tooth that was more than four inches long. A megalodon is an extinct species of shark, and the teeth are considered the most common of the fossils from them, and the name megalodon actually means big tooth. The family plans to take it to the local museum for final verifications, then will display it proudly in a shadow box in their home. Wow, I, uh, Megalodon, um, I'm pretty sure that's a heavy metal band. Sounds like it, right? Yeah, I, I think that I'm pretty sure that's a, a heavy metal band. And uh, there it is. Look at that. That's. Uh, Are those people from Duck Dynasty? That's. Uh, they look like it. <laughs> when you're angry and you're Megalodon, you, you're, if you're mega anything, Right. Yeah, you've got your arms crossed. Mm -hmm. you're, if I'm Mega Molar, if we start like a heavy, uh, heavy metal band, Mega Molar, this, th this is going to be our pose. Or Mega Glide, 
or whatever mm -hmm. our band right. might be. Here's Megalodon. Apparently, that's their album cover. And oh. We've got the huge uh, uh, shark teeth on there. Right. And, uh, I think that's a real picture. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. I've never found anything cool at the beach like that. Neither have I. And you know, I saw the pictures of the actual tooth, uh, which we can show. And it was massive. I mean, it was so much bigger than just what I thought, you know, a great white shark tooth would be, you know, terrifying and so huge. But this was above and beyond. Have you seen our dinosaur tooth that we have at the front desk? I have. Yep. So it's anybody, impressive. if you come take a tour. In fact, we had a dentist watching live mm -hmm. today as we filmed Chairside Live. And uh, he got the opportunity to see the dinosaur tooth at the front desk. Hopefully, uh, one day we will have a megalodon tooth as well. What's up? Well, if your trip to North Carolina pans out, then maybe. Maybe. And maybe next week's viewer mail uh, letter of the week, we'll get a signed photo from Megalodon the band. Mm, that could be even more valuable than that picture of you and I. Right, I think or maybe so. we dress like Megalodon. That would be incredible. Or Megadeth with the lead singer that looks a little Even like better. the Wendy's girl. All right, that about wraps it up for this week's edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan, the entire crew, everybody here at the lab, we want to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. Come back next time. It's going to be mega cool. Thank you for that, Dr. D. You're welcome. Now let's go to it. <laughs> you did it on purpose. You freaking did it on purpose. Okay. I just said you're welcome. Nope. All right. Thank you for that, Dr. D. Now let's go to a segment we call Viewer Mail. <laughs> yeah, what happened to your nails? Okay. <laughs> Jeez. I, here, I'm saying well, during the case of the week that I need a manicure. Thank you for that, Dr. D. You're welcome. I feel like I really <laughs> nailed it.